out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. How's it, how's how, how's how's it going? It's going. It's going all right. <laughs> What's on your mind? Oh, I don't know. All sorts of fun things. Yeah, me too. It's uh, we made it to June. We're recording this on June third. I'm looking at what we watched last week and thinking that feels like a long time ago. <laughs> we yeah, what the hell? <laughs> we've uh, we've had a lot happen. Yeah, you could say that. We're in the midst, uh, not just quarantine, but um, worldwide, including plenty of local protests. Mm-hmm. We sit amongst of. Um. That's where we're at. If this is also a snapshot of where we're at, but I gotta tell you, Tim, it felt uh, it was hard to sit down and just like that's a wrong word. As if I'm, you know, I, I did not feel in the mood to just hit play on this movie, you know, as yeah. escapism. Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> I have like, I have like, I've. I've only felt like I can I can do right now is just try to try to soak in black art and media in a way that, you know, I haven't done as, you know, dedicated. I've done it dedicated before, but not I think not from um a certain lens I want to again. Mm-hmm. So just to like <laughs> just to like put on this Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Yeah, it felt weird. Um, luckily, <laughs> l- luckily, uh, as far as hey, if we've got we're here and have a job to do, I like it was it was um, diverse enough of a film I could mm. get into it. Okay. Um, was it? I guess it. As f- I guess it far as slight, well, slightly. I mean, as far as like, I mean, we'll get to it. Uh, the film, but like the only real character I was like super into was a woman of color. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that has to do with, you know, the, the lens I'm watching it now, but just the movie. Um, so since I was plugged into that story, most of all, when watching it, it at least like, <laughs> at least I could pay attention to the film <laughs> when watching it. But I had a hard time. Yeah. I mean, not just because of my own focus, but just because who the fuck cares about this movie? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, it it feels weird to be sitting down and doing this at all, but it's like, we're we're doing it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's a thing we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to um, tell people what this is? Yeah, we're getting to that. Hey. <laughs> and what are we here? This is not the Midnight Gospel. This is Tim and Ryan's gospel at any time of day. <laughs> God. 
that's called uh, Dismembering Horror. This is actually episode 95 getting up there of our podcast show, Dismembering Horror, where we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a film deemed a horror film by us. <laughs> yeah, or by somebody else, and then we can totally disagree with them. Or yeah, 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 exactly. And we're on a quest to see what we haven't, to revisit what we have, and we feel that horror is a tackleable genre worth discussing, uh, both in fun and in meaning, as far as the uh, the films, what they contain. Usually. <laughs> right and if they don't we talk about why yeah we'll and let that, you know <laughs> <laughs> and that is often uh you know can be just as fruitful in a different way and uh actually this film's kind of is on point for allowing discussion for something we kind of talk about as far as like the place of negative critique in art mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i'm glad we'll be able to get into that via this story um, great. That's our show. Yeah. And we start off, Tim, if you're ready to do it, you got nothing else you want to say with a trailer nah. for this week's film. Great. All right. Well, this week's film was actually submitted to us by our dear friend, Max. Hello, Max. If you're listening. Hi, Max. And it was a relatively recent film from the beginning of 2019, a Netflix funded production. It is called, and I will use this to transition to our trailer, Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better? One or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. I'm quite curious to know what you think. I think sober hasn't been good for him. Pierce was in the full bloom of alcoholism here. Exactly. Never should have quit drinking. No originality. No courage. My opinion. I can't save you. I found something. Who did these? They're mesmeric. A uh, guy upstairs, he died. And you just took them? He had my family or friends. I can make you rich. So, but here's the thing, like, with this movie, I think part of why the trailer kind of shows you all the, uh, effectively, the, the main important beats is because everything else in between those beats is nothing, like, in the movie. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to pull from outside of these really specific high heightened moments. Yeah. And I guess you could make that argument for anything, but <laughs> in a way, but like the, the distance between s uh, things that are worth looking at in scene to scene in this movie versus like the quote unquote big moments, like a death or a fight are just nothing moments in my mind there was enough i think like um i feel like you could have taken like the lead up to the painting moving for the first time and just kind of okay it's a story this woman who like finds 
um, finds all these weird paintings in someone's house and we know there's something weird about them and set up this idea that maybe there's something else to them and kind of, you know, set up some of the character and flavor. Um, Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Like, and then just not show all the stuff that (laughs) made the movie stand out to me. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, well. Uh, um, Well, what what did you think? So it was it was interesting watching this. Like I, I uh, I went from kind of being like intrigued at the beginning to like kind of not knowing what I felt about it. But like as I get maybe I, I probably could have felt totally different had I seen the trailer and just not been into it. But I mean, <laughs> as soon as the first like horror thing happens of which I know, you know, I loved, which is like the monkey arms coming out of the painting <laughs> and killing the guy. I was like, OK, now I'm sitting up in my seat and um and then so so all the the horse aspects I was like really clinging to as far as just this is something that's doing something more unique and interesting than most of the stuff that we watch. Um, So for that, I mean, just as like, I don't want to, I had enough like issues with it. I don't know in the end that I don't want to say it's like a great, great movie. Hmm. And I feel like I could really fluctuate how I feel like as it could get better or worse, the more I think about it. But I think for the aspects that were working, it was all different and interesting enough. I gave it as high as a rent it. Wow. Wow. You know, and you want to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't avoid it. it. It's not, you know, it's not the worst thing ever. Um, but I, I didn't like it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, you know, like I would stream it. I did stream it. I was fine with that. I was, just so kind of disinterested and maybe that partially is just circumstantial but there are just too many problems for my taste in the movie to give it a rent and you know that's a lot of those problems for me I'm, I try to not be ov- overly subjective, you know, like I think that there are borderline objective things that I'm like, that's not how you tell a good story. So, you know, yeah, that just doesn't it just doesn't, you know, reach the level of like worthwhile <laughs> right? for me, because it's like, dude. I mean, just a, a very simple example of things. I, I as you know, I, th- there are certain logic things that drive me nuts when you just sort of skate by them. And if and you can skate by them if, if like, the result is worthwhile. But, like, when you use the lack of logic to get a result story-wise like just for effect essentially that really pisses me off because i'm like dude (laughs) there's a better solution and then you didn't ignore a logic thing like just (laughs) fucking like be a good filmmaker 
I'll give you an example. When the dude is driving that you're mentioning, the monkey guy, and he drops his cigarette in his lap, he doesn't just stop the car. Nothing is forcing him to keep driving, right? Like, he's burning. Stop the car and get the fuck out, right? That, that's the most logical thing you could do. Okay, so if that doesn't get you story-wise to where you want it to get you, just we're already dealing with Supernatural. Just add one little beat where he tries to pump the brakes and nothing happens. It's a, I don't know, 20 frames of a shot that you need. And we get it. That's enough. That's enough. Then we don't go, hey, why don't you just stop the car? Right. So that kind of thing just it 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 drives me completely crazy. It's funny you say that because like I think my I, I guess my in summary, like what didn't work is could could be put as like just make it an hour and a half movie instead of a two hour movie and i think like Mm. the the kind of like logic things that you hold on to i'm not as susceptible to like i just that goes out the window for me if if there are enough scenes where i'm just kind of tuning out or think it's not being like honed the way it should like i think i think there could have been a strong enough tonality that comes through this that would have sort of I guess, tonally, stylistically justified like that scene that you described had they risen to the top amongst kind of just this, uh, some of the more like, I guess what I think were unnecessary scenes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're already kind of getting into it. So should we get into it more? And well, let's, get our... uh, okay. So let's summarize it, right? Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> Names. We got we got uh, Morph, we got Rodera, we got Gretchen, <laughs> Josefina, these names. Coco, Damrish, yeah. Bryson, <laughs> and John Malkovich as peers. <laughs> right, right. Yes. And what was the name of the 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 artist that we follow? Or the, the whose whose artwork? D's, yeah. I mean, I kind of just looked at the story through even though it wasn't it, but through Josephina's eyes, who's who's the character, she's like at the lower rung of this Los Angeles rich art. Um, they aren't dealers. They're what are they called? Like agency? I don't know. Uh, yeah, whatever. Pur- purveyors art agency. <laughs> the, the, but like the kind of the, the the very like despicably high society kind. Sure. <laughs> That's a good way to um, put it. So, so we have, uh, yeah, Josephina, she's kind of on the, on the bottom rung of it all. And like, uh, her boss played by Renee Russo, Rodora Hayes is kind of like mad at her for, for, uh, showing up late. And so when general performance, <laughs> when Josephina finds a, um, a from her her deceased neighbor that he had this collection of amazing artwork kind of very dark brooding artwork um she and she and Rodora finds out about that Rodora is basically like well you can't make uh, money off this all from your own there's so much work for you to do so how about we work together and then Josephina kind of sells herself out so to speak and that's kind of like what I'd say is kind of the more you know in turning point inciting incident moment mm-hmm. when uh 
that catapults all this, what we learn to be literal cursed artwork out into the art world. Right. And then we have, it's, it's, it's yeah, and this is this is kind of what didn't work for me, but it's presented <laughs> as kind of an ensemble film, um, yeah, kind of more so than it should be. And so you have Jake Gyllenhaal is morph <laughs> Van Vanda Walt, who's like a a kind of stuffy critic. Um, Renee Russo, as I already described her, and Tony Collette, Gretchen. I don't I see. I don't even remember. See, here's the here's the, I mean. You can't even define any of the characters. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think I could have defined them better if there had been less of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something I want to get into more later too. But ultimately, um, but it, so like, what what yeah. what is the story? The story is that the cursed paintings. Everybody's greedy for the cursed paintings, and then they start the paintings effectively start killing them off. Yeah. That's it. Through cool, cursed ways, mm. <laughs> paint painting ways. I'd say fi- come on, fifty fifty. I thought that's what you would have loved about. Th- that's what made this movie a rent it for me was the kills, <laughs> like the horror stuff. Mm. Nope, not, I was not only thinking, not enough only for thinking me. of you uh, during the the painting scene, her big death, like the paint getting on her skin. I mean, it looked uh, cool, but man, it just this is what happens when we didn't get there for me. <laughs> When we don't watch them together. See, now rather than having like actual Tim not freak out during that, I had like imaginary Tim in my head who I know loves body horror going like, oh, 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 which is what I was doing. No. Well, paint's not scary. Yeah, but your skin like changing color. Uh, That I agree with, but the performance and the depiction didn't make me feel like she was scared. Oh. Ah, oh, get it off me. Get it off. <laughs> that was not that. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, oh, what is that? Why am I covered in paint? I guess she was played up as kind of like cool, stern girl a little too much. Yeah. yeah. Let's just try and barrel through because I, all I want to talk about is things that didn't work. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'll try to get <laughs> out of the way for us our first section. It's known as, here we go, What Worked. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked for you? Well, as I said, just like the horror angle of it, that's, that's what worked for me of like, if... You had so much kind of, not bizarre, you know, just unique, stylistic, stylistic choices. I don't know. But you're, I thought it was cool how when it comes down to it, though, you're still following like that horror formula of evil thing, whether it's a killer or whatever, it starts killing people off and then culminates in some, you know, even more killing people off. (laughs) And we have people right. along the way kind of either just surviving or trying to put together whatever the the mystery is. And so I pretty early on, like, recognized what was wrong for me as far as um, just wanting it to be honed more to, like, just that story happening. Yeah. So, so when it was happening, I just kind of, like, 
tuned in and was enjoying it and it wasn't I was just like tuning out probably missing right. t- exposition along the way <laughs> but um yeah yeah I could see that but I, I mean I, it, like I <sighs> cursed things are cool yeah right and I love a mystery let's let's go search for the answer to the mystery that's cool uh art is cool or can be <laughs> like the i the whole just broad idea of like what is art and what constitutes good art like that is age old debate you know and i think an interesting one and there's lots of really great stories about that right um and I, I like mean, historically of- amazing real things in real life that have happened between either between artists or between artists and critics or between the general public and critics about art. And like that whole dynamic of like the, how deep that goes in, in history, I think mm-hmm. is really fertile ground to pull from. Um, and I think these characters are at least an attempt at representation of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> without, well, I, without going on. What I, what I te- tuned into, th- or, I mean, what stood out to me thematically that I um, enjoyed even more than that specific theme was just the idea of kind of like art appreciation versus exploitation. Yeah. And that line, like I ended up, really liking Rene Russo's arc for that reason of someone who's just kind of so represents. So in the mode of like treating art as product and something right, to be right. sold it's and disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she has up one of the paintings in her room kind of almost more just because she can. And I just, I just thought that as this was a, such a good example of like how horror can be used where you just take something and twist it up a notch in the direction of horror to like really get at a lot of cool meaning behind it like to have her because basically it it tied together this idea of like if art is magic and art as magic basically like you know having you know just in terms of like we when we think hear the word magic we think so just like hocus pocus literal like spells and stuff but what it really means or how i think of it is like this painting casts a spell over you yeah you know that's what it means and so to have her renee russo's character be so disconnected from that that she is then that personal choice comes down to her is like, okay, well, there's a report that these things have curses. I'm either going to choose to believe that's all hogwash or is it going to get to me? So to see that, like then getting to her and be her demise, like that was cool. Well, especially, especially when you think about somebody, a character like her, um, you know, who's so wrapped up in, in appearance and sort of this, this, culture around it or presumed culture around like how to be just to imagine her using the term hogwash really seals it for me (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Um, so then though we talked about you know there's um if there's the theme of critic criticism and um uh how we're appreciating art i really liked where those themes intersected as far as um 
the idea of a negative review being like a curse or a hex on an artist or a piece of art. And that was embodied for me. I loved just again, because of those ideas, I loved it. Once we got to that scene with Jake Gyllenhaal hearing, like he goes in to see a a whale uh, audio installation, (laughs) right? Not knowing what it is. And instead he hears his own negative criticisms coming out at him. And you can just feel it's, you know, it's, it's just pure meanness, anger, you know, that kind of thing coming from it. And just to have that mirrored right back at him, that was really cool. Yep, I and agree. something you could only do in a horror movie, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, the, the basic construct of a critic uh, having the things he criticized sort of turned back on him and the idea of like, the what's the what do you call it when you're 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 sort of devoid of of feeling or or empathy um narcissistic just, no it's sort of like ca- callousness i guess yeah of of crit- criticism especially in the art world can be very like make or break right like in a, in a right. lot of ways that that person often holds so much power that like in the most extreme version and how they sort of depict it here is like he literally holds people's lives in his hands by his criticism. Yeah. You know, and he can kind of he's making or breaking somebody's life. And so that's that's a really cool kind of place to go exploring and to see that character have to go through the realization of what they do. And how it affects people and come to terms with that in some way. Now, we kind of get that. I, I don't think it's full in this movie. It's not. It, I don't think it reaches the level that, let's say, if Jake Gyllenhaal was very specifically the main character and this was his story, I think there's more to just explore and to 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 get to within this story but that's that's not how this movie is constructed yeah so it's sort of a it's sort of we get like mm, maybe 40 percent of of what that would be if he was specifically the main character but the 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 effect when you like it's a good construct the effect that you could that that realization and that devolving as you see the error of your ways so to speak as that type of character into madness is really i mean i think that's the for me probably the most interesting thing in this movie to hang hang your hat on um josephina's character arc if if josephina and jake gyllenhaal were the same character if they had made them one character i think that i'd be in i think yeah um but they're not so it does it that would have been yeah that could have been cool but like Um, that that whole thing of like i mean i get it there's all sorts of reasons why this movie doesn't do that so so i'm not that's not a criticism at all um but i think that there's so there's really good strength in those two characters and in a way, it's like you got to choose which one is the movie. Right. Well, what's what's cool about 
um, his, what, what did you, how do you just frame it as him, um, like getting over people. his issues or whatever, um, coming to terms at least co- co- yeah. coming to terms with his issues. Well, what I see, I mean, this can be for anyone and for their issues, but you know, in terms of criticism, what was interesting is like someone's, you can still be a lot of times like being flawed. It's because you are attaching yourself to a truth without a bigger perspective. So the, it's cool to hear him say that truth that he connects himself to is something we say on this, on the show about why, how we justify, you know, having a, what did not work section, which he says during it, it's like in order to, you know, move art forward and, and sort of in a certain sense, you know, you, you say what's working and what doesn't. Right. But then he's, he's sort of used that truth to justify a kind of very unsympathetic nature of how he approaches it all. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, uh, he's, he's gotten to it. it, Oh yeah. What is this? He's, he's become too wrapped up in the things that aren't important, which is like his, his status and sort of his persona, like in that world. And like, it's an, it's an interesting, he, he by far is the most interesting character to me because like, even from the onset, his identity is cracking right away, right? Like we meet him um, and we learn almost immediately that he has a boyfriend and he, but in like, in spite of that, he's enamored with Josefina and then they start a relationship. So right away, like, they are cracking a uh, construct of who this character is right away, right? Like the the cliche would be, oh, he's, you know, he's a flamboyant, uh, affluent, gay um, art critic. And that's that's a that's a <laughs> that's a really standard cliche, right? Like that's. It's just a thing that people like in lesser hands, they would just make him that. Right. And they wouldn't Mm -hmm. they wouldn't go any further. They'd just be like, yeah, he's gay. And, and, (laughs) you know, he's a he's a bitchy queen critic. It's like, okay, lame. So I like that they don't they they play off that cliche and they sort of say, actually, he's pretty complex because he's even that identity that he has at least put out there to some of the world, there are cracks in that. And he doesn't like, there's a really good line about like, uh, Josephina said, he says something about like, I'm confused. And she's like, that's a horrible place for a critic to be. And like that, that's great. That's good. Mm -hmm. Like that's where we, I feel like the movie is doing its best stuff. Like, especially the writing. Cause there's a lot of writing that like, I I think maybe just is is too uh maybe I'm just dumb, right? Like it's 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 like for an audience and it's f- like it's maybe too smart in a way for me. I don't or know too, about anybody else, but like it's I think, it's yeah. too it's too inside of that world 
and maybe I'm missing the things that are said because I'm like, yeah, I'm not that that affluent, pretentious, whatever world of of like high art. I, I don't really know it. I've been around people like that and I've been like, I got to go. <laughs> so I just go like I don't know it well enough. But so there were times when I was like, I almost feel like this is too heady for me. Like it's just too insular. Um, and maybe I'm missing something, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the point. So like, it's sort of working in that respect. I don't know. Well, I want to touch on that when we get to what did not work. <laughs> oh, I okay. think that falls under yeah. for me. Um, as far as this more, I guess, bigger things to get out of the way. I mean, maybe, yeah, it didn't seem like you did, but I just loved all the horror death moments. Yeah, Josephina getting, like, the paint up her skin in this very, like, hallucinatory way. And then her her end fate becoming, like, part of a graffiti wall somewhere. Yeah. Um, And then Redora was Tony Collette's character getting her arm... Yeah, I love it. Her, her arm chewed off by the sphere, which is an art installation that yeah. senses what you want to feel, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. Or hey. like something like that. No, Redora's Renee Russo. I, I made the mistake. I think I said Redora gets her arm chopped oh, off. It's Gret- Gretchen right. is no, Tony Collette's yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, so lastly, then my other great kill was Redora getting her uh, titular... Um, tattoo velvet buzzsaw of the band she used to be in rotating and activating on her neck and (laughs) chopping off, uh, you know, doing what a little buzzsaw would do if it was on the back of your neck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I like the idea. Oh, and then of course execution of the visual. Yeah, for sure. And I and like, then, you know, that the the lead up moment to that, I thought was quite cool uh, with, you know, her taking the pose effectively of the painting that she turns around in her bedroom. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. So remember, she's in bed and she can't sleep or whatever. And she's looking at the big, fairly big painting in her room. And it's a woman like sort of silhouette shadow uh, sitting on a on the ground and her cat is next to her. And then two shadows are coming in from the, the right. And she gets in exactly that positioning right before the buzzsaw takes over after she's gotten rid of all of the art in the, in the place, which, you know, that's a cool, that's a cool sort of like you got all the, it's twilight zone, right? It's like, you got all the art out, but you forgot the, the tattoo, but you forgot the tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a quite on forget to paint the ears. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Um, I I mean, that's all cool. Um, dude, but then the monkey painting, oh my God, that was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I even with that one, I I think I wanted more. Like, do we ever find that guy's body or anything? No, I don't know. But I mean, come on! Like the first, it's the first time like 
and you, it's like a painting has just moved for the first time kind of subtly. And then we have that. It was just like such a cool shock and finally cemented it as far as like, oh, this is how this is a horror movie. This is the horror angle of it. Um, like this can happen. I that Again, that was just the moment where I was like in it was as soon as that monkey painting death happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like, I mean, I really do like the basic idea of this art will kill you or that art will kill you because it, oh God, it's really hard not to just be like, yeah, but what the fuck? Um, Well, hold those thoughts. Because, well, just, just the, the one thing I'm, just realizing like it's not so what is the what is the curse right because it's not just Dees paintings that are killing people because other I, artwork kills people it's if you if you uh if you possess the paintings then then they kind of put some kind of curse or hex on you that then enables art to reach you this way yeah but is there an actual act that like triggers it beyond is it is it more complex than just the act of possessing it? Is it like or is it less? Like is it it's obviously it's not just looking at it. Mhm. Otherwise people, you know, all sorts of people would be dying. And it's it's not that you own it. Because like that guy, the guy, the guy in the truck, he doesn't own it, but he's he's planning to steal it. He's he's planning to own it. I mean, there's yeah. sort of there's. I mean, this is why well, it's, I think it's, it's, it's it's muddy for me because. But I I would love to be able to say what it is and then say that that worked. <laughs> for me, it's I, I think what it was for me and it, what what did work. And I think again, it would have been clear if it had been honed. But it comes down to the line that was in the trailer of if you look at it long enough, it starts to move. Yeah. Like yeah. and that's sort of in the you you dwell on it long enough, you think about it enough, you know. It yeah. gives it power, and that that's that was my take on it, right? Um, and, and, and this sort of the the hypn, hypnotizing aspect of it, because it's like it seems like everybody can't. It, everybody is hypnotized by it. It's it's that compelling, and right. that's and cool it, because that I think art in particular has, like you were saying, that the magic of the magicalness of art really does have this like you can and we do sit and just stare at a thing right and i like that line you know it gets it's that very classic but on point here of you know it's at the art show and just two people on you know on a as an aside we see what do you think it means well how does it make you feel you know yeah (laughs) it's like that idea of um it's that idea too that's that i mean that's and that connects to that idea that's set up at the beginning of how, why I think that sphere is there. Like art, you know, good art, it, it will give you the thing you need, mm. you didn't know you wanted, you know, kind of filtered right. through su- subliminal um, interpretation more so, or just kind of unconscious um, communication. Well, so yeah, like what's cool about that is that that is, that is the mirror to morphs character 
right? Mm. That is is the pure version of enjoying art and having a subjective attitude about it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you're and you're that's literally what's... just allowing the art to have an effect on you and you're walking away with that effect without any sort of value judgment. You're just saying this is how it made me feel. That's that's as pure as you can get. Morph is the he's effectively, at least in the beginning of the movie, the exact opposite of that, which is I deem like I'm the authority on value of yeah. this art. And that I think is actually one of the cooler sort of debates that we can have because it's like we do it all, all the time on this show, right? <laughs> like there are people that absolutely love The Conjuring and the uh, Insidious movies. Mm -hmm. It does purely what they want it to do for them. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Good for them. We then sit here and we go, yeah, but it's trash. <laughs> right? But it's, it's, that is the debate. Right. And like and then why we'll, you even have the conversation. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to get people who like the thing to not like the thing. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it does not make me feel good. So I'm trying to right. bridge the gap between the pure version of it and a you know, quote unquote, expert critique. Yeah. And totally. with the hopes that you could do things that will make it, well, better in, in my mind, I guess. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Right. And then, it, and then it filters through us differently where maybe we can latch on to what works, f you know, what in theory could work about the conjurings for us. Right. And then make it work for both us and the people who like those as they are. Yeah, we um, talked about this a couple episodes ago, too, where it's like you start to see this this funneling of what is actually great yeah. over time. Yeah. And that's, to me, a really cool thing. I mean, I guess, you know, the the, the famous anecdote is always using Van Gogh as that example, right? Like that not particularly successful in his lifetime, but, you know, we all kind of think his shit is amazing. Right. <laughs> totally. Um, yes, agreed. So uh, I just want to get back to, I, I didn't actually get to what I was trying to get oh. to as far as um, <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, the meaning of like um, art giving you the thing that you need that you don't know yeah. what you need. And then tying that to like your question about, well, what exactly is the method of, of killing? Well, I think that's that it was the, the method of killing in the end, like as far as it's it's, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that's set up with the sphere is it's kind of specific. We see that it's specific enough to the person at a time, like it will meld to get its desired effect. So that's just why it can be like being grabbed and taken into the painting. It's why you can be like yeah. your, the paint coming off and getting on your skin or like, you know, that all the different ways it, it kills people. You know, you, this has just made me realize that, you know, th th don't get me wrong. Like this writer director is, he's very, very smart and very specific and like goes super, super deep. And like, Go there's like there's a video essay on character his uh, depiction of character in Nightcrawler that is 
I watched it and I was like, holy fuck. Like, is there from our friends uh, beyond the screenplay again? I don't remember who did it. They did a night night crawler. Maybe, yeah, it. maybe. Um, it's either him or that guy, uh, Patrick, Patrick um, Willems. Williams. Willems, yeah. It's one of it's one of them. And, but it, I watched it and I kind of went, "Holy shit! This dude's thinking about things like so many layers deep. That like, that's pretty brilliant." But if nobody like there, the question becomes to me, is it, is it, ha- it for, for people that aren't intellectually understanding how deep it's layered, are they still getting something out of that, even on some sort of subconscious level? I don't know the answer to that, but you know, my hope is always that the answer is yes, but I don't know. Right. But, it's just way more effective. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But, well, when so what, what I was getting at is that it, as you're saying this about the kills, I'm realizing that like each of the ways they die is very, very specific to their character flaw or like the lie that they tell, have been telling themselves. Right. So let's go through them really quick. I think going backwards to might help. Uh, Rene Russo's character was a punk rock like the, the you know widely considered one of the sort of purest forms of art in a in a lot of ways right like punk rock is just like pure fucking expression at its best that's like what you're going for and she gave that she has become so antithetical to that thing and the old the only thing left of that person she was is this tattoo yeah and that's the thing that kills her right Mm-hmm. great that makes so much sense like i hadn't really i mean i kind of got it in the moment but i didn't go ooh. and the reason i didn't go ooh is because it didn't seem like anybody else really had that deeply layered of a death but now that i think about it i think it is true right like morph's death is that is the the animatronic yeah. Thing. And I, I quite like that death, right? Of course, me too. <laughs> How can you Didn't not? mention it yet. Didn't I forgot to mention that one, yeah. And you know, what it's pointing at is his his flaw, right? Like we've sort of said, he he deems his opinion as sort of the end all be all, and he at the very beginning of the movie takes says that's just bullshit re rehash whatever, and he's not looking at it for what it is. And I think if I sat down and spent some more time really, really like hashing out his character and like going down that rabbit hole, you would see all of the connections to why he needed to be killed by that specific thing, that specific piece of art, right? Josephina's death, you could kind of say, say the same thing, right? She, she, in her desire to become more like Rene Russo and be this high powered art person dealer or whatever she's kind of turned her uh turned away from what maybe and this might be problematic if you think of it in this way but maybe from her quote unquote roots of more of an urban sort of thing right which i'm a little i i sadly think that that's what they were saying and i think it's a little bit 
on the nose and kind of like lame to be like, oh, the one person of color in here, you know, her her roots were in urban art. And it's like, okay, it's a bit of a cliche, but go for it. Um, But that's what happens, right? Like graffiti art, the, the thing that she's saying is trash is the thing that gets her. Cool. Okay. So that, that one works too. Um, the guy who gets hung by the tie. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really know. I like that death though. I mean, you could just say a tie is a uh, kind of emblematic of like a masculine fastidiousness and kind of like adherence to, um, I don't know, like everything that we see is wrong with his character. Well, and also there's something to the location, like the actual exhibit that he dies within is like a cluttered, over cluttered, old, dusty attic. So it's sort of like, I think the the metaphor is, I don't know exactly. It's like he's sort of a, he's a collector of other people's shit. Well, it's also just like that that kind of his clean uh, office, you know, compared to, you know, we all have our attic attic space, too, if we try to present ourselves as just having this, you know, kind of other aesthetic. Right. Yeah. So there's some some, that one seems pretty thin, but that that one has some something. His character is pretty thin, too. Um, And the actor's thin. Hey. Um, Honestly, though, it's like you'd say thin, but I, uh, I had a very clear fix on like kind of who he was no no yeah no that's true what i mean is he's not super fleshed out right like we don't get a lot of him that's all i mean which is i think what worked about his character in this film yeah right um and then who who else uh gretchen that one i think makes a lot of sense like having she's always trying to grab physically grab other people's shit for her benefit and she she gets her arm taken off. Like, I get it. Cool. Um, so I guess this is all to say, I, I think there's one other, but I, I oh, the, mo- the monkeys. So the, yeah. the monkey one seems a little on the nose too, to me. It's sort of like this guy's issue is that he's like, you know, I'm not just like a repairman. I'm not just, I'm not just a dancing monkey kind of thing, right? Like he mm-hmm. kind of has, he keeps making that comment. Like, you know, I'm an artist too. I, I do, I'm, I, uh, right? Like he's making a bit of a joke out of himself. And I think having, you know, monkeys who in, in that painting as well, like three monkeys kind of playing around, uh-huh. it, it makes sense, right? I like all that. Like, I think that's smart and that's cool. But it feels out of reach a little bit. I and we'll get to it, but yeah, yeah. there's it's because there's other things in the but way. But I admire, I, I really admire the depth and the thought that goes into being like, let's make this meaningful, even yeah. if even if it is out of reach for some people. I mean, that's a different debate. <laughs> but I think that the I admire going that deep i think Mm -hmm. that's always always good to strive for that because we there's times when they don't and we talk about that shit a lot they meaning filmmakers just in general we we see that a lot where they go yeah whatever or they don't have a point of view or they just don't bother to do their work right and that's another reason 
that's another reason I think why I could, you know, ended up putting this as high as a rent for yeah. me is yeah. because as long as a movie, if there are those moments that are doing that, that I can tune into, it's going to have that potential to right. make it to a rent versus a stream right. for me, typically. Now, um, there's also... The, the only other really big thing I have as a, what worked is it's double-sided, unfortunately, like a lot of the things. But there are moments of composition, shot composition in this that are really, really feel like art, you know, like really cool composition art that i'd be like i if that were a painting or if that were a photograph on my wall i'd be like hell yeah that's cool and i like looking at it um that exists in this movie so that that when it when it happened i felt like it was working a lot yeah um yeah kind of um this is more than just as far as I guess this includes kind of visual touches, but for me, like one of my favorite things in films, and this is also kind of like why films like Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, my favorite movies are anything that kind of feels like it's a unique, like style world building touch. I kind of just have to give examples to like define what I mean, but like you have this sort of like shot or verse shot of like a unique looking cat looking at koi in a koi pond. That's one of the, kind of that's one of the best shots in the whole movie, right? Cutting to um, that cat, like in close up looking down into the pond is the best shot. And that's kind of indicative overall what's working for me where it's like, it, the film was working when because you have it set in in like the quote unquote real world, like it's Los Angeles and it's kind of, you know, it's always riding this line of how much is, are they a person versus a stereotype, whatever, whatever. So it was working for me more when it got pushed on that edge of like whatever that kind of style, those stylistic touches were as far as, yeah, again, just building a world. So like that shot over shot, the cat, um, I know the, the logic around it, you didn't like, but just the visual and the happenstance of when the guy, uh, sets his shirt on fire, his lap on fire. Like, I feel like it's happened. And, you know, I've maybe seen it like planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, I don't know. Big but Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that visual, though. It, it's like, I don't know. It, it's still fun. It's still novel enough of like that, that reaching a point where like we see someone in the front driver's seat, like fully inflamed. Like, love that. Um, like, well, I, it, yeah, I, I actually really love the there is a realism to that moment where he didn't just like burst into flame and like then you cut to like a stuntman in a flame bodysuit completely engulfed like <laughs> running through the the forest like he pulled the burning shirt off of him and mm. then the burns were appropriate you know it wasn't yeah. like his whole body was burnt it's like he was burnt where the shirt got burnt and then he pulled it off of him like that i was like that's real that that feels very much like how it would probably go <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, and just felt like true to the tone and humor that was working in this film as far as like this that that touch getting his shirt on fire and everything you just yeah. said. Um and then the the one that kind of I think made me set up early on and kind of like, you know, pay attention to this movie a bit before the horror stuff started happening was when they're 
uh, presenting that sphere and describing it at the beginning. And you're just kind of like, what? What is this? And it's like, as under the exposition, we see different people trying it and they're like reactions that they're getting when they have their, their hand in the sphere. And it's just like you have this one guy just give this kind of like, oh, you know, just some kind of like little funny specific thing. And it like while underneath the exposition you're hearing and just that kind of just, I don't know. That's, that's what was really working for me. Yeah. In this movie, stuff like that little world building style touches. <laughs> Show you know, I, I agree. It It's limited. There are moments of it that I think are really great. I, for example, uh, it's, it's, it was almost really amazing to me and it didn't quite hit but like close when the dude who gets hung or hanged i think is the proper way to say that um he he walks into the exhibit and it feels very much like an exhibit like it feels like the walls are essentially painted like it's a faux thing and it transitions into being much more a real attic and that I love that kind of stuff. It's same yeah. thing kind of happens with Josephina where she's standing in front of the the mural and then we kind of start to pan around her and we see that the mural is changing into an actual like gallery. Mm-hmm. And that that morphine moment just the way that the camera moves and the, and the walls are kind of pulling apart because we're realizing perspective-wise that it's a, a different thing. It's not just a flat wall. I, lo- I love that stuff. Like, it's so pleasing to me when you, f- when you mess with people's perspective and you do a thing where, like, you know, I mean, you use this all the time in, in sort of... It's an illusion. Optical illusions just please me a lot. And like, this is where you do it, right? In a movie about art, use optical illusions all as much as you can. Because it's just, it's about the visual medium and like what what we're seeing matters. And I yeah. love that. And I wish, I, w- I just wish there was more of it or that it was more like a part of the, of the horror visuals. Like it's there, but I, you know, I want, I wanted more. So like I commend the stuff that is there for sure. Maybe this is kind of like what you're saying, but too, I defined it as like self-aware gags almost. But like when we had the art installation of super, of hyper-realistic looking people. Oh and my like God. Yeah. It, pan, it tilts up and we see it is just a set. Um, yeah. and like we're and the people aren't even real, but we're looking at it for a sec thinking this looks totally real, both the people and the set. And then it's revealed. It's like, she's giving critiques on the lighting from up above and we see there's no right. ceiling. Um, and then similarly to that was like, when we, this is that classic thing where we think we're hearing non-diegetic music and it's this harp music. And then we see it's actually the wind blowing through mm. this harp thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, I mean, there's definitely cool stuff. There's really cool design stuff. Well, on the design stuff, I just got to get out of the way. I loved the paintings themselves. I thought they were incredible. Too. Yeah, they really, they really nailed incredible. that. Like whoever they got to <laughs> to be the 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 D's, yeah, was fucking great. 
Again, like the movie kind of hinges on that working yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that element was there. It makes me sad, you know, we'll get into that. It wasn't able to elevate as much as it could, but yeah, just the paintings themselves. So yeah. awesome. Bought it, bought into their, uh, the power of their mystique. Um, I liked, uh, the little, the, just the now lesser things, but, uh, just little touches. I love that. It was funny. You had Coco, like the young I love, secretary I love type. It. I love that. She uh, just keeps finding dead bodies. Yeah, so yeah that was, that's exactly it. The fact that she's <laughs> the one who keeps finding dead bodies. And the, la- the last one, she's just like had it. She's just like, come on. Well, is that, that's the one where she... I forget if it's the last one, but I mean, where it's just the one that's so extreme where we the people, the museum opens at the sphere and people think it's an art installation yeah, and you have so the good. little kids stepping in the blood <laughs> and then she discovers it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Man. Fun little gag. And then um, I got to say... Uh, well, just re- repeat something I said. I think the way, way beginning um, was just being reminded I think this was helpful for me and like my own work where I love stuff, you know, that sort of, and I can get so focused on kind of the stylistic things, the unique things, like all the things that I think are more interesting, but then how you can just make these ideas punch through so much more when you hang them on kind of core genre tenets. Mm. So that's what I was just saying. As far as that, it was following a formula of, you know, these it's it's kills and then it's right. sort of the story surrounding that so just to say that again that that did um it was a good 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 lesson reminder um and lastly for me is just bringing back john malkovich at the way end and that is kind of not only like probably the better example of kind of where i wanted maybe all the you know more of the characters at was kind of the level john malkovich his character was in it where he wasn't in it too much and left at a certain point and it just made it all that much more impactful when we cut back to him at the sort of um as like a, a cut to credits sequence yeah, basically it's like a coda yeah a little coda where we're like oh yeah he went off and we remember renee russo's advice to him of paint something that's just for your or you know until you make something that's just for yourself and then it was just kind of the one of those things where it's like it's so obvious but in, in like its meaning you know it's so unambiguous but because it just like it just works as a punchline it just makes me happy and, yeah. and is clear and like of course he's yeah it's the, the, the sand mandala if you want to do something that's only for you make it something that's temporary and right. then that just got me into my own you know fun deeper meaning of like looking at myself and and making art and being like well when it's hard it is this is stuff we all you know, all know and thought about before. It was just a reminder. But like, yeah, we get so caught up on maybe it's difficult to work because you have this feeling that it's, but it's going to be this way forever, you know? But then I think it's the, the healthy approaches to it is, uh, no, this is not going to be here forever. Like in, in the actual scheme of things, zoom out a little <laughs> further. Right, right. Your art is very temporary, just as you are. Yeah. Yeah, so you um, might as well make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah, it, 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 another just nice reminder, too, for me of, like, where I can, like, I know it's my tendency where I love and much prefer kind of things that are more, you know, not so clear-cut in their meaning and, like, thematic telling. So just a reminder of that, like, yeah, since 
I shy away from things that are unambiguous. This is a good reminder of just like, oh, when it can work for me, just when it kind of punches in a, a certain fun wrapping up, you know, yeah. ties it together away. Um, yeah, great. Cool. All right. Now what we've been saying we're going to get to this whole time. We'll get into it now. Here it is. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> so I feel, yeah, everything, hearing you talk about it, Tim, we were saying like, oh yeah, that actually like in there, that was working for me. But, but, but I really just feel like, I mean, I want to hear your other reasons for it. But for me, at least I agree. And just, if it had just been cut, and hone to have that expediency that Nightcrawler had, you know, let's say. Nightcrawler like, is about one guy. Right, right. It's so very much about one guy. So so you're even talking about like those horror moments and like kind of the meaning of, you know, how they were tied to the characters and what the, each of their specific character deaths were. Like, even if, if, if kind of extraneous character stuff was cut that we aren't into or whatever, I think those characters really would have been honed more those kills they just would have had more impact in themselves like everything that was working just would have been i don't know when i read everyone's negative reviews and hearing what you say about it i really think just make it an hour and a half movie and not a two-hour movie focus on like i think i get excited about your version saying combine the two characters but if not that have um what's her face uh josephina be the main character and maybe um jake gyllenhaal be kind of like the the, the B character and that, that sort I of think, romance be like the B yeah. story. I think you can go either way, but yeah. Yeah. And then just, and then everyone else, like when it was just a scene of like, okay, Tony Collette's talking to John Malkovich. I'm just like not listening, you know, not at all. Like, <laughs> Here's the thing. I just had this thought. I know they're great, but like, yeah, right here. Okay. Follow me around the block with this one. The Jake Gyllenhaal's character is predicated on authority of what's good. But he is not an artist. So if you make him the main character and you make him the person who finds the D's paintings, he should believe that he knows what's good, but finding them and, and figuring out what to do with them becomes the question and the problem. And what I think that ultimately would do is it would make the movie about somebody's conflict of self. Do I actually know what is good art? Right? And, you know, initially, if we play out the, the, the way this movie plays out in the same way, Initially, he would be validated right away. Everybody would be like, as they are in the movie, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, objectively, everybody loves this thing, and it would validate his core belief in himself. But because things start to fall apart, people start to die around him, the art is not making him, it's making him feel confused and conflicted and whatever. That's a meta, that becomes a metaphor for confidence in your identity 
and his in particular of I'm the authority on what's good art. Not and in this case, it would become more of what is the word good in that art becomes not good as in people like it good as in good versus evil. Yeah. And that becomes the sin, right? Like that. If you start to roll down the hill with that, I think you you really, really have something to hold on to as an audience, even even subtextually. You, you go, I know what I'm feeling and I know the problem that this guy has now. And it's a big problem because his whole life is predicated on being the authority and that is falling apart. He has to reassess his entire identity and the value not only in what he says, but in how he feels about himself. And yeah. then we have some we have a character arc that we can get behind and we can see where it goes. And then we can see the problems with how he's lived his life and how it has affected other people because this becomes a macro version of that. He said this thing was good and it is killing people. Yeah. He, he's used to, it's, it's a really nice dichotomy because he's used to saying things are bad and that's killing people. And that gets flipped on its head. And then we have a fucking movie and we have a character to latch on to and somewhere to go. And he should be the last person to fucking die. Not Rene, R Rene Russo. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> why is she the last person to die? Why I'll tell you why, Tim. I'll tell you why. Because the filmmaker's approach to this, he was quoted as saying... In, in talking about this movie before it was actually made, describing it as something that was like an Altman-esque The Player. Okay. I think he just... I th no, and, and, and I, I get it. He, he, hear me out. Yeah. I think that was just something that he was fixed on, but then was not the right... And that that's not the version of what this movie should have been for making it the best movie it could have been and what it's trying to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know why necessarily that approach to this story... Um, but I, I just really got the sense that if he sort of went in with this kind of vision and then didn't let go to it, because even yeah. like what I keep saying about just trimming it, cutting it, like you, when you're talking about earlier, um, how there are moments where there, as you put it, like art world, art world talk that you just kind of felt like over your head or not into it. I don't think that's so much about like your your ability to, to follow it, but less that those were just scenes that were only doing one thing. Yeah, when oh, you should, yes. And that's what kind of made me do it. I actually compared it to this movie, What Wasn't Working For Me, kind of those like the, you know, Shane Black at his most Shane Black, where he's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of yeah. just like, yeah, I get it, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. where it's just once we, we cut away from the action and are just like, they talk for about a minute too long about whatever's going on. And it's I like that it's can so, it's work. self-indulgent, I guess, I think, is maybe yeah. a way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Which is then so funny when you look at, like, how does Quentin Tarantino make it work? I started thinking about I that. Know. And I think because there's this these really big underlying points of suspense that are in the film that's that right. are going on. Be, what, th that's actually a really good point because I think that that question comes up a lot. And people think 
that what Tarantino is doing is just writing a lot of dialogue and that that's what it's about. It's about like that's his style. Write a lot of uh, dialogue scenes and like it's all about the writing. No, like that's not his strength. His strength is writing a bunch of dialogue exactly like you're saying in the midst of underlying issues that we have to wait to to get to through the dialogue. We have to see how it's going to play out. And we're it's literally the exact same thing as Alfred Hitchcock showing you that there's a bomb under the desk and then spending the next eight minutes of the movie with characters talking and standing around the desk. We go, yeah, fuck. When is that bomb going to go off? Right. That's that's a that's a very, very strong way to write. Yeah. But if you don't have the bomb. I don't care about your fucking art conversation. It felt, yeah, it felt like kind of like, um, I I just switch gears, but to make an overall point of what, what's going on here, I think is the Shane Black movie. It's had to have been him, if not similar filmmaker, but the nice guys. Yeah. That's uh, Russell. Yeah. 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 We're like, I was actually, you know, pretty into it, but then there are these moments where like, it was the two of them and like talking to like one of their daughters or the character's daughters. And it just felt like, you know, this is in here because Shane Black just like loves all these actors totally. and just watching them do their thing. But it's like, I feel like you're really, unless there's that deeper thing going on, you're kind of almost maybe allowed like one of those in mm-hmm. these kinds of movies to kind of just kind of like, okay, we've, we've earned this kind of breather moment. But here in like Velvet Buzzsaw and more moments and, you know, that example, it just... It just ends up detracting. Like it really feels like for me that this the filmmaker. Uh, sorry, what was his name? Dan De Gilroy. Um, Dan, you know it was. I'm excited <laughs> for you too that uh, <laughs> you got to have John Malkovich and Renee Russo, who's your wife, and you know all these people working for you, and they're awesome, and Tony Collette, and they're all great. But it doesn't mean that their scenes like that aren't doing more than one thing have to go in the movie. Or at least it's it's not this movie for me. Like this is like this is when right. it comes down to horror, it is horror and like edit for that. Yeah. And uh, less it, yeah. It really it really jumps out at me as you're saying this too. If you're gonna make an ensemble and I'd have to go watch other ensemble things because they're at like just out of, off the top of my head, I'm I'm I'd need to look at this particular point to see if it's true. Boogie nights. <laughs> right. So great, yeah, good example. Boogie Nights. In any given scene in Boogie Nights, there are multiple characters having multiple experiences and conversations. Like, we're we're on a ride. And actually, that's a fucking really good example because I think I spent most of this movie wanting that. I wanted... The, this movie, I would say 80% of it is two people... is two people dialogue scenes. And they are shot almost exclusively in two ways. All of them tend to use this formula. You start with the two characters, either static or already walking, one or the other. Let's say we do the the static one. Within the scene, you go shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot. There's no master. It's just shot, reverse shot, back and forth. And then at a certain point in the scene, one or both of them moves across camera. They do a do do and then the camera follows them into a new location or a new positioning. 
the reverse is true. They a bunch of times you start a scene with two people already moving. They walk through an environment. They land. And then we get shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot for the rest of the scene. And maybe you you punch in on them as the scene gets sort of to the point of the scene, whatever the, the conversation is, you move in on them. That is really, really formulaic filmmaking. And part of it is is how it's edited. Right. Like they may have shot other stuff, but it is edited with within those confines. And it, it actually made me feel like they had to rush this edit. It like they needed to finish the movie. They were on a timeline or something and they just were like, just but bang it out. But, I could see that it had a Sundance premiere. Yeah. yeah but the, there's a major problem with that because it's just becomes two people talking and to your point about ensemble like if you have all these great characters how many how many three or four person scenes are there in the movie and how many of those three or four person scenes actually utilize all of the best like well-known actors in this movie not very many there's a really good three person scene between gretchen and two people we never see again where she comes in and she's trying to sell them on her new buyer or or whatever it's called the person that she's started working for and they have a pretty cool dynamic where it's like it's a, a bit of a power struggle and they end it with her being like you know kisses but they're like fuck you that there's something actually going on in that scene for one thing but like there's an actual power dynamic in a lot of the other scenes it's just like two people talking shot reverse shot shot reverse shot okay and then we're out if you're going to make and, and see what's so confusing to me about it is that there are other times in the movie where you get this completely other structural sort of form, which is like set up a shot that looks like a painting and use that as a tableau to set the scene and move into the scene. And then you get a couple other like reverse interesting shots within that but even when they were doing that there were times when i was like why did we go into the scene like let's just watch the scene unfold from this tableau that is really beautiful to look at and just be a be away from them be the observer like be the fucking person who's walking through the the gallery and stopping in front of a painting and just letting it play out in front of us i don't want to get into the convention in this movie of shot reverse shot it's fucking annoying it's also annoying when they don't do any dialogue overlap so like one person we're on we're on you you say your thing we cut to the reverse shot i say my thing we cut to the reverse shot you say your thing we cut to the reverse shot i say it's like stop like i want the dialogue is not what's important how it's affecting the fucking characters is so much more important. So overlap dialogue. I don't mean overlap dialogue with each other. I mean with the shots like be on you when I'm talking so we can mm -hmm. see your reaction to what I'm saying. Don't well, wait if, for me to be done talking to then cut to you to have a reaction. Like there's just a that's an editing thing. Well, I think it highlights at any given point, there should be the horror story that is being told. Like, what are what right. are the questions at play here as far as the, the mystery that's being unfurled of how this horror thing works? So whenever then 
And you can show that through, you know, okay, this character's reaction to listening to this piece of information at a certain time or whatever. So just like when you're describing it exactly as far as this, the, the formula of a lot of the scenes, that's what came to mind most of all when it wasn't one of the, like, who I was seeing as like the two main people. Um, you know, like, let's say you have John Malkovich and I think it was Gretchen, Tony Collette, it might've been Renee Russo, like scene of the two of them. And I can picture already that it's kind of has to show them walking into this, this building kind of thing. None of that I needed, like just cut to the brass tacks. I mean, better yet, make it so whatever exposition is being delivered is just being, it's doing more thing than, than once. But I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just saying the same thing now, as far as cutting it down to just that horror story being told. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that there's... The things that we're complaining about or criticizing, by and large, I think are the result of things not having enough time to hone in. Like, this movie feels like they had to get it done. It yeah. feels like they were maybe two drafts away from the the really honed-in draft. Um, it feels like the editing was rushed. Um it feels like they suffered a bit. I mean, because there's a lot of really good design, art design. But then there are these shots and scenes where I'm like, wow, that's boring. This is like, yeah. this is like we had to do the TV, like super fast shooting, find a location that's, you know, just basic so we can get it done version right. of things. And it in this movie, that it really, really belies the the point of the movie <laughs> to be sitting in front of like a shrub and a gray stone wall and having a dialogue scene is like, what, 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 it's, what are we doing? It feels almost more tragic. Like, I mean, I guess they're just tragic in different kind of ways, whether it's like a big studio movie, just making like a terrible movie where it's like, why even make this? But then you have these, like I always, you know, think of Netflix, even Amazon Studios is kind of the more like equivalent of, you know, where the bigger studios were at in the seventies, as far as giving these big budgets to, to whatever, you know, to empower filmmakers that, mm -hmm. you know, more artists or whatever, however you distinguish that. Um, so just, I mean, it's, it's like a $20 million budget. It's a sizable chunk of money. I know in the scheme of things, it doesn't, you know, in the history of budgets, it may not sound like the biggest budget, but it's big. It's a substantial chunk of change to like make this pretty specific artistic vision. And it just makes me sad with it to think like that a, um, yeah, a time constraint could yeah. have, well, I don't it, know. Cause yeah. yeah, it makes me sad, but it, it, it does to the point. When Jake Gyllenhaal's character flips the fuck out uh, with Rene Russo, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Or is it with Gretchen? No, it's Rene. I don't know. What... It's, it's Rene Russo, I think. Anyway, I forget what scene. He, has a, he has a flip out and it is just singles on the two of them. The whole thing. And, and not only that, but the entire flip out they are standing still about 10 feet away from each other. And I'm sorry, but that's that's for that moment. That is not enough. Mm -hmm. And so what it's what it suggests to me is that if I were directing that scene, I, I would do a lot with the composition of size and dynamic of the images of the characters in the frame. 
right? You utilize where the camera is to really get us for each character to really get us to feel the state that that the two characters are in. So in this particular case, Jake Gyllenhaal is effectively powerlessness. So use the tools that we have as filmmakers to show him in the frame that that suggest his powerlessness. All we get is a, a eye level single of him standing with nothing behind him. It's just like white walls and like some junk in the background. That, that says nothing about what's going on. And so either they didn't have time to fucking figure it out. But even that, like, you don't need time to fucking just put the camera on the fucking ground or, or like pedestal it up higher so that he's lower in frame or pull back away from him or like frame him somehow within the walls of the gallery that they're in that make you go, wow, that's forced perspective. He looks weirdly small in relation to the walls around him or in how we never get a master to punch out to to see the dynamic of where they fit in the frame in relation to each other. Have him farther away in a doorway feeling trapped and have her in the foreground feeling big and the one who's got the fucking handle on the scene. Like, those are not... these. Like, I'm not a fucking, like, ec- like genius expert in filmmaking. Those are really basic things. Like, just go watch Citizen Kane and you go, holy shit. Right. Like that's been going on forever. Why is it not in this movie that is about art is about composition? Like, I don't get it. And it really can. Yeah. Just bug. It just bums me out because I'm like, is it a choice to to simplify it or is it a circumstance? And neither one are working. I think it's um, I don't know if I want to say both or neither, but um, <laughs> sure. But a bit, well, as far as far as I can see it happening, when kind of what I've already said, you just so excited to have these two actors you love doing this scene, and as far as when you're sitting there watching it, it's you know, it's that you, you kind of I'll be again because there's like like kind of what I what I said about Jake Gyllenhaal's character and our, and our flaws where we can latch on to truths cuz like I complete that's everything you said is completely true. And now what is also true is I've heard the quote uh, that's just like, you know, you have a good actor and a good dialogue, all you need to do is just show them and you know make it happen. It's it's so it it can get messy especially when you're just kind of um you know, as we all are, but you know, don't have, uh, you only have your limited perspective. Yeah. You know, and no, that's... I know. I know. I just feel like for a, for a writer director that is so fucking detailed and, and depth of his, you know, sort of, uh, storytelling, just the, the, the things that he spends so much time layering. Yeah. To get, what you get in this movie a bunch of the time it just seems fucked up it just seems wrong i it it just it's confounding to me because i'm like i think i get it with look looking at this compared to nightcrawler as far as if nightcrawler has a sort of um as i already said expediency to it and kind of this momentum to it like you that is that that's kind of the the story that you're following that's how you're shooting it you know in a very clear mm-hmm. way um so you know where you don't have much time let's say to to get these these beats across you know like you can see where his focus is and how that works effectively so when you have this kind of 
pacing that can feel a little more plotting or whatever, or maybe it's like a deeper thing going on rather than an immediacy of a having to pull off a heist or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just it's just kind of just didn't take that extra effort that that's you're saying that's needed, which I agree with. Yeah, to, to really to really show the undercurrent of the scene to go. What is this scene about? You know, even though it may not have that um, that active amount of suspense or action. Yeah, it just I don't know. It just there's a lot of what feels like just missed opportunities. Yeah. I just think about like I I mean I I love art galleries and I love like exhibits. Like that shit is just cool. It's always I, I don't know, it's always pleasing to me. And the spaces that galleries often are in or or just museums in general, in in particular modern art museums, like there's something the feeling of those spaces to me that is really exciting and just interesting because a lot of the time the structure in and of itself is an art piece and so it, it, it just feels like we didn't get that and it's I'm like why why not also like in a movie where the painting is coming to life to not use the suggestion of like surrealism in some of your your the composition of your shots even just a suggestion like uh take a famous dolly painting and use it as your model for how you set up the shots like just just use just it, don't do i'm not saying recreate it at all but I'm just saying, be like, okay, why does this Dolly painting evoke this feeling? And is there a time? I mean, I could think of it like the clocks one or the desert one. Like there's a bunch of Dolly paintings where you go, man, that just feels lonely. Look at that and then take something from that when you're shooting the scene where the guy is alone I don't mean literally alone. He's having a conversation, but he's having a flip out because he knows he's fucking alone and nobody else will listen to him. Like, that's just a fucking tool. But like to not do it seems just like a complete lapse. It feels like, yeah, it feels like you're just going to point. It's kind of ironic in a way to make a film about art and not being inspired, at least at least having the at least knowing that that's a place where you can take those stylistic choices from. Yeah. I don't know. They're just framing choices. You know what? Part of what I'm bitching about is that it, it never, it never rose to the idea of what I thought it could be. And that is so subjective. Yeah. It's not, look, Dan may, he, or what's his name? Doug? Dan Gilroy. Yeah, Dan Gilroy. He, Doug. Doug, yeah. <laughs> Doug, no. So he he may hear what I'm saying and be like, you completely missed the movie I made. And I, I, I'm not saying that what he made is wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't know. I think he he missed a bunch of opportunities. And maybe he didn't want to make that movie that I'm that I'm wanting. That's fine. But. eh. Right. And I mean, I can just sum up for me again. It was just about just all the things that were there working. I think the reviews would have been a lot more positive had they been 
honed. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, what was <laughs> what was not working so much? You 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 cut, you slice, you you hone the film to those aspects that really were working. Yeah. Moments so, that were. Oh hey hey, there's your cat. <laughs> hey bud. I I think that since this is a horror podcast, <laughs> it's important to talk briefly about. I didn't want to say this in what worked because I, 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 you had said like that the kills, that the horror aspect, the curse and sort of like people are going to die and all that, that, that aspect was working for you, but it didn't work for me because of how it was set up and then played out. And what I mean by that is, and I'm not saying that you have to do this, that there's a tr- traditional or right way to do it, but generally you get some sense of cold opening about the dead guy, right? Something, something early on. You know when when we meet uh, his paintings for the first time in the movie? It kind of came out of nowhere. I was kind of like, wait, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It so, felt all happenstantial. Like, I didn't realize it was important until after it happened, so you know? It, it, it's it's. He dies, like, she finds him dead at 15 minutes into the movie. And, man, did it feel like later. And that's a problem, right? So that first 15 minutes is a lot of... I mean, I'm I'm actually just sort of scrolling through it. It's like... Gyllenhaal gets to the... gets to the first exhibit thing, and he kind of does the walkthrough... And then we meet Josefina, and then they have a conversation. Then we meet Renee Russo, and then we meet Gretchen. It's like we we kind of meet everybody, all the players. And then at about mm, ten minutes in, oh no, a little bit more than ten minutes. So at eleven minutes, we've met everybody. We've had a bunch of t- mostly two person scenes, some of it walkthroughs. And we've established kind of who everybody is, right? 11 minutes into the movie, Gyllenhaal goes and hangs out with Josefina and then they like hook up, which felt strange, okay, to me. Just it structurally felt strange and or story-wise felt strange. Then we get some other stuff. We get home life stuff. And then five minutes or four minutes after that, 15 minutes in, Josefina finds the dead body. That's cool, I guess. I think it's it should be earlier. It should be more like that scene where Jake Gyllenhaal and Josephina go and hook up. That's that's where finding the dead body, I feel like, should be more. It's around 11, 12 minutes in a two-hour movie. So what I'm getting at is the first time we see any sort of real horror... She doesn't grab she doesn't go into the dead guy's apartment and get the paintings until minute 20. And I guess I mean I guess it's it's following a, a pretty standard structural like beat by beat thing like at the right quote unquote minute it, like page numbers. Right. But like it wasn't highlighting it. Exactly, in a weird way. exactly. I think that's really what's getting me is that like we I don't know. If the story is about, or not about, but if the if the MacGuffin, so to speak, is the dead guy and his story and his art, don't we need to see that earlier on somehow? 
Like we go down this whole long thing of like his history and like Gyllenhaal's writing a story about him and like doing detective work. And it just, I don't know, man. It just feels, there's like a montage scene of him doing research. Right. It, what? That's in, that's in <laughs> minute 33, 34 or something like that. When he, he were, I don't know. It just, does that ever pay off in any way? There's all these mystery things that I think could be cool if that was what the story was. But then we leave that and we do this art world like insular, everybody's, you know, everybody's got their struggles thing going on. It's just yeah. I think what it is, is that to to the filmmaker's point and your point, it's two movies. He tried to do Nashville, an all Altman sort of style movie. And a murder mystery ghost story. And maybe that can work. Maybe those two things can be melded together in a way that turns into a thing that's really interesting. But it, in this particular case, I just felt like I was ping ponging between two movies. It's like on one screen I had Nashville and on another screen I had Seven. Yeah, ditto. Not even seven. I mean, that's being way Something generous, with supernatural but... aspects, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, I think part of why it doesn't work is that it doesn't know what the touchstones of the story are. Let's just say it's D's. It seems like it's trying to say that it's D's, that it's him, it's the artist and the artwork. Maybe that's not what the intention was, but let's just say that that's that's the way to go in this case. I definitely want to set up the suggestion of that character early on, somehow. So if it's Josephina's neighbor, I want to see her fucking somehow. I don't care even how, but cross paths. Yeah, something right because I was just so like, wait, who is this artist? Why do we care? Like kind of thing. Like, like could have ha could have had some cold open of him dying. You know, yeah. just something to like give it a framework around this artist's power. She, she could get a piece of mail that belongs to him. You know, and have to fucking interact with him, and like he cracks the door open. We never really see him. He's mysterious or whatever, but she catches a glimpse of something in the well, back of the apartment that she goes, Whoa, you're an artist. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. I wonder if it was because it was touching on like all these different characters. It made it so we weren't getting as, um, we weren't going as deep or as nuanced as we needed to with any given. You no, know, that's very scene. true. There is no lead in this movie, and that I actually think is a main major disservice. Even in an Altman movie like Nashville, you still latch on to a couple people and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. This is their story. Mm -hmm. I haven't mm -hmm. seen it in a while, so I can't remember who's who. But, you know, you at least... I don't know. It just, it just, feels, it just feels off. Like, Josephina dying the way she did felt off right i mean uh, even jake gyllenhaal's cool character dying the way he did i was like they, okay i thought they were both cool as far as how they died but as far as the sort of weight of giving them a send-off it just felt kind of non-existent yeah yeah and when you couple that with somebody like trying to figure out the mystery and then having them 
kind of just be like the second to last death and a sort of a a whatever mm-hmm. about it or third to last. I don't remember. I'm like, well, then what are we who are we rooting for? Right. Not Rene Russo. <laughs> right. Um, I did. I, yeah. I don't I know. So what... there, there's something off. If you're going to do. I don't want to say that there are like strict rules to this, but I think that you have to at least like when you're going to make a murder mystery. Supernatural or not, to be honest, I think that you need to at least go figure out why. And how the plotting of the kills and the intrigue of the mystery, why they work in a certain way. And, you know, what's the opening of Seven? Seven's an awesome movie. How does that open? Um, I forget. It opens with Mills, Brad Pitt's character, uh, coming onto a crime scene and meeting everybody for the first time. So that's actually kind of similar to this, right? The only difference is is that he's coming onto the cr- a crime scene that will be the first of a number of murders that are connected. So if you make Jake Gyllenhaal the lead character and he's coming onto the scene, for one thing, everybody knows him, so that's a totally different thing. But, like, whatever. It's the other end of the spectrum. But... Even just the suggestion of I need to find something new, it isn't even really in that scene. And then we go down this weird like romance path thing that that seems like the movie is going to be about their relationship, which it ends up not even being about. So I, I feel like I'm all over the place in the in this movie. Like, I just which don't I-, I don't know what to grab onto. Isn't it funny, uh, our critique of this movie being all over the place, and now our critique is all over the place here yeah. as a result. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah no I shit. Feel like we've, I feel yeah. like we've said it. Let's wrap it um, up. Though, the very last little thing to say about what did not work, I love the title, but not for this film. It did not evoke the feel of this movie, personally. I, I, I agree, actually. I, yeah, that, I, 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 I kept scratching my head about it. I think more like when I hear Velvet Buzzsaw, kind of like synth wave, kind of punk, almost like Neon Demon more. Sure. Oh, yes. Um, Ooh, Neon Demon. But, uh, I love that movie so much. Yeah. Like the title, not for this movie. Anyway, that's all for me. I'm going to move on to things of note. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I could go on, but let's not. All right. <laughs> things of note. This should be interesting. I just thought it was funny when you uh, look at Dan Gilroy, the filmmaker's picture on Wiki, you go, uh, Wikipedia, you go, oh yeah, that's exactly who made this movie. It just was like one of those things where it's like... Isn't that fucked up? Like, that is just crazy that that's that's true in life. Yeah, I know. But it's it's cool as far as, uh, you know... He looks like he's about seven feet tall in this picture. I don't know (laughs) if that's the the case, but man, he looks tall. It's just a headshot, the one that I saw. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Like, he just looks like a tall man in his face. I mean, the camera's a little bit low on him, right? (laughs) We're at, like, kind of mouth level or maybe... No, we're at, like, shoulder level tipped up a bit. And he's a very long fellow. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just a, f- a fun reminder as far as like um, a person looking like their their art, you know, kind of like Tim Burton looks yeah. like Tim Burton movies. Oh, he's you know? he's not that tall. He's five eleven. <laughs> he. Lo- I'm sorry, but that picture makes him look like he's <laughs> six eight. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Whatever. Um. Yeah, and then I guess the other just last thing I had it was a cool scene, much like Nightcrawler be recognizing all the spots of my home here in LA at Los Angeles. Oh yeah. I like that. I'd like the, the touches. Like, I don't think we have an actual, um, L a M a like was the, was I, I, it looked like it was spoofing LACMA in its, in its aesthetics. Yeah. Which I thought was I was fun. confused by that too. It didn't register. Well, like, um, it was just the, the, the text of L a M a with like the A's being upside down V's that just felt very LACMA, which is, our museum here, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, one of the main ones, um, mentioning the the Broad or is it the Broad by name? Um, yeah, <laughs> and then just just seeing my seeing my hood is a lot of it was right here in Hollywood. It was yeah. fun. Um, yeah, man. I don't That's know. I, got. I don't really have anything of note. Do I? Oh God! I just thought it was an interesting question, as far as like, would I have been more into the characters had I spent less time with them? Um, which I brought up during it, but I don't know how much of that is a, a thing we already touched on or not. But just another another question, uh, maybe to leave us yeah. with. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I kind of don't know what to think of this dude of of Dan. I think we covered it. I think we broke it down pretty well as far as what Nightcrawler was doing, what mm-hmm. this one was and wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's interesting to see kind of um, I think, him doing something less like gritty and yeah, yeah. I think his his resume, his resume. What am I a fucking headhunter? Uh, his <laughs> his filmography is in is interesting to me because it is it's pretty all over the place, which is. You know, I think it's cool. So just just for our own interest, his first movie, he, these are almost all of them he wrote, not directed. Free Jack. Do you remember that movie? 1992? No. Free Jack. It's got Mick Jagger in it. It's, it's, it's bizarre, but it's cool. It's weird, though. And then a movie <laughs> called Chasers, which I vaguely remember, but I, 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 I don't know. Two for the Money. Um, I, I'm not recognizing any of these. Yeah, not a huge thing. The Fall, I don't remember. Um, so all I saw was recognized was this co-writing credit of Kong Skull Island. That yeah, <laughs> that one's interesting. Real Steel, he he wrote the story for. I remember liking that movie actually. It's kind of a kids movie. Uh, the Born Legacy, he wrote. That's the oh god, I think that's the third one. And then and then did Nightcrawler, which he was his first directorial debut. Seems like he was just paying his dues, you know. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting filmography. Like he, I, I've, I'm, I'm struck by. I kind of want to, I kind of want to figure this guy out. Not figure him out, but I, I'm just he, he's curious to me. Anyway, he went to Dartmouth. My brother went to Dartmouth. <laughs> anyway all right let's move on (laughs) great all right wrapping up velvet buzzsaw seeing if we have recommend dead shins which we do because we must (laughs) that's Um, right 
You got a recommendation for us, Tim? Anything you've been watching, reading, eating, listening to? Um, I do. So there's a documentary. So have you ever heard the quote from David Mamet that there's only five perfect films? No, no. (laughs) Um, Whatever. I'm not going to tell you what the five are because I can only remember like two of them. But there is a documentary on one of the five films. And I think it's a film that you would not expect to be in a list of the five perfect films by David Mamet. (laughs) But it's Galaxy Quest. And so there's this documentary on why galaxy quest is so good and and what happened like why is it not more renowned it is anyone i talk to loves it and that's, it says it's a perfect right. film but it did not do it took until now it took 20 years basically is this this the documentary that's on galaxy quest because i saw yes. like there was some fan documentary being it's made called on called never surrender a galaxy quest documentary and i watched it on I don't remember where I watched it. Maybe Netflix? Um, And it's just so good. And, like, I'm not even sure I agree that Galaxy Quest is that great of a movie. I I love it, but I, you know, is it perfect? I don't know. But it's it's great. Um, Let me see if it's never... I feel like for what the movie is, yeah, you can't improve on it i get what you, even if you it's not your thing i exactly still think right. it could be a perfect movie yeah yeah i don't know where it's streaming because i definitely streamed it um maybe it's hbo <sighs> well, or something but yeah it's really good the documentary is really good and it's just a reminder of like it's it's fun to be reminded of i guess kind of the first time you watch that movie and you're like holy shit <laughs> this is great <laughs> why is this so good <laughs> but it is um, so yeah, that's mine. Never surrender a galaxy quest documentary. Cool. I well, love stuff uh, like that where it's like, you get to see how it came about. Yeah. Yeah. And what it could have gone if like one, one actor had taken one role or another role or, or a deci- one decision had not happened the way it happened. You would have a totally different thing. I love that stuff. It's cool. Getting to watch serendipity at play. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, yeah, I mean, cause like I already alluded to at the head of the episode, finding it really hard to sit down and watch Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm just feeling like I'm just doing that work of catching up on black cinema. I haven't seen or revisiting it. I just like, it's all I can think about right now is just like wanting to do, do the work of watching art by minorities and starting here. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, catching up on I'll, that's So, so that's probably going to be all my upcoming recommendations for a while. Why not? Honestly, uh, as long as, you know, I will only be recommending them if they're good. But starting off with, I had been meaning to see some of the more recent ones, the last black man in San Francisco. And that was a very, very cool film coming from the Bay area, especially like it's also one of those films that like I want to add to my list of films to show my director of photography just as like, oh, nice looks cool. Characters were great. Um, told a contained story, but had the, uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, opened up to the breadth and wonder and you know how you can do that when you have a contained story. Um, good acting yeah enjoyed it 
Nice. Last black man in San Francisco. Cool, dude. So you better pill, pull here, pill. Tim, from pull. our hat. You better pull Ganja and Hess as our like only, I can think of, black film in there. <laughs> Great. <laughs> if I do that, that will be the most amazing fucking thing ever. We've only had, we've had one of those before. I know. I forget it what was it was. Hex Day. No, or not Hex Day. Hex uh, Day? He- no, uh, what's it called? Hexen. Yeah. But what was the serendipity? Oh, because I one of us said, would you pull it? And then we did. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> okay. Suspense. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> I pulled Under the Skin, um, which was a, a submission by Dr. Williams. Great. Well, honestly, this is one of those movies that I've really, really been wanting to see, and I probably wouldn't be watching now unless we had pulled it so oh, i have lots I'm of kinda, i have I'm lots to say about this movie awesome it's like one I that the, i read the book awesome awesome and tim just winked at me as he said that so mm. letting letting you know whatever that means <laughs> <laughs> he just had to couldn't help but wink when he said it no no seriously i've just been only heard great things ryan this will be your new favorite movie and as soon as this went into our hat um I've been putting off watching it until now. Nice. So I'm really excited to see it. Cool. Thank you, Dr. Williams. Who's Dr. Williams? Do you know who that is? Yes. Oh, good. He's a friend who's actually, I've told you about him, but basically the origin as far as our uh, format of the show and getting me to do a horror podcast, we have to thank for him. Oh, cool. And our movie watching days back in the day. Doctor. Horror movie. What's he a doctor of? Math. Meth? (laughs) Math. Oh, math. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It may be both. Yeah. You don't know. Yep, yep, yep. Gotta love it. So, until then, if you are here, we thank you for being here. Yeah, good job. And uh, our big ask is if you enjoyed this, tell a friend. But um, I'm just saying that because we say that. (laughs) So... (laughs) Right now, I'd yeah, rather right tell now, you to, I think it's, it's, to, to watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which yeah, I already told you to do. It's, <laughs> it's, we all need to, I don't know how to put this, but we, we gotta, we gotta stand up for each other. Can I, uh, say so my joke I made out, maybe this is totally out of taste, but I don't think anyone heard it, I posted it, but, uh, we know, uh, the line in, in Get Out of uh what's his face saying i would have voted for obama for a oh third my time God. if i could have yeah my uh my self-reflective quote even though i'm here watching you know movies and stuff is uh i would have watched get out for a third time if i could have yeah well there's, like that's where we're at that is where we're at and you know that's good i think as bad as the, the as the shit is and has been um at least something's happening. I don't know yeah. if it's going to turn out better, but I'm definitely fucking glad that shit's hitting the fan in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't, uh, you turn up the heat, the water's going to boil. For God's sake, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm resisting. I could just go off about this stuff. So I, I'm, I'm actually resisting doing that. But, you know, get out right. there, get, get, you know, get your voice heard. You know, listen, please, people, listen to, you know, the voices that need to be heard right now. 
and, and uh, then, um, be safe. Yeah. And the question is, and then what else? Yeah. Yeah. And then what else? Um, great. Great. But yeah, so I think that's it. So yeah, in closing, we do mean it and still thank you for, for being here. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.